This is Laura Van Arendongba, and you're listening to To Write and Have Written, a writer's guide to the business side. This is an audio recording of the weekly live stream where you can join us each Tuesday on Twitch. Details and a schedule of upcoming guests and topics can be found at lauravab.com. Now to this week's episode. Good evening, everyone, or at least it's evening for me. I know some of you may be experiencing morning on the other side of the planet or later whenever you come across this. So um, good day. Have a have a lovely day. Oh, yes. Hi. It is, uh, it is Tuesday here in the land of Laura, and this is another episode of To Write and Have Written, and that is two weeks in a row that I have remembered to actually introduce the show. So definitely, definitely getting better. Hello, friends in the chat. Uh, thanks for stopping in and saying hello, and uh, we will. Um, we got we got some fun stuff happening tonight. Um, first, I do want to just quickly mention this is this is not the fun stuff. But uh, if you've been here on the on the show regularly, one of our regulars, um, Natalie Bridger, she's Bridger Dogs in the in the uh, in the chat. Um, and I doubt she's going to be here tonight. She had kind of a rough day. So if anybody happens to know her on social media, it might be a good day to hop over and say something kind. So I just wanted to say um, say that. And then on a much happier note, um, a much more fun note. Um, yeah, so it's December 1st, which means NaNoWriMo has officially ended. Hooray, all of us who survived <laughs> NaNoWriMo. And I did, uh, I did win. I put in a little over 60K, so I'm very proud of that. Um, but one of the things that... Uh, when you when you complete NaNoWriMo, uh, you get your winner's goodies, I think they call them. And so you can get a bunch of discounts and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, yay, Seeker 1 Nano 2, high five, virtual high five. Um, but uh, one of the things was a discount code for uh, World Anvil. And I was, I'd heard of World Anvil, but I didn't really know that much about it. I was like, yeah, you know, I got a discount code. I'm going to go poke at it. And oh my gosh, they're starting a world building event um you know for the month of december and oh okay i'll check this out and i'll do oh look i'll go over here and i'm hey there's you know shy red fox has commented on something on the site so i'll check that out oh shy red fox you know who again is one of our regulars here on the show she's commented on a lot of things she's written a lot of their blog posts she's actually like a really big deal and now i'm like oh how did i even miss this so um oh 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 hey bridger you are here okay Thanks. Um, sorry. And anyway, so uh, Shy Red Fox, Amy, if you are in the chat, um, I'm now in awe and I have joined World Anvil and I'm trying to follow your lead. So thanks for putting out some good examples there and uh, we will try to follow you. So, okay. And um, yeah, so, oh, the only other reminder I had was um, it's the top of the month. So if you have subscribed uh, with Prime, which is your absolutely free way to support this, um, use your Amazon Prime membership. Uh, you get a free subscription on Twitch, and uh, so it's time to renew that if that's how you do it. Um, very much appreciate that. Or you know, please, I'm I'm still running the Help Me Clean My House pandemic sale, and I would love to send you some books. <laughs> so I would also appreciate that. So oh hey yeah yes so um sorry I just I just saw the shy red fox Amy has um has replied to me in the chat and uh, yeah so now I'm gonna go learn all the things from your tutorials. Thank you so much. Okay, and then and then because nobody wants to listen to me talk about um, my world building, I will say though the world anvil like because I'm just writing about world building, which basically at this point I've been living in this world for years. So it's 
like writing nonfiction because it's not actually like writing dialogue and emotion, right? I'm just, I'm writing nonfiction, but about fictional things. Anyway, they wanted me to write 10,000 words in a month and I had like more than 5,000 by this morning at 3am. So yeah, it's going to be a fun over there. <laughs> so, all right. But all of that aside, uh, we have a guest tonight. I'm going to try to bring Chris in. Hey, here we go. And I'm going to remember to actually turn on his audio. Look at me. I'm such a professional. Yeah. So welcome, Chris. So as you guys can see on the screen, we have chrismorriscpa.com. That gives you a good indicator, along with all my promo, on um, why Chris is joining us here tonight. He is um, an author. Uh, he writes nonfiction um, on a variety of awesome things. I just have to mention Whispers in the Pews. Um, it's a really good topic. Perfectly Abnormal is another book, but Honestly, the one I want to say, just because I love the title, is, oh, snap, I'm making money, now what? Which is what he's here to talk to us about tonight. Um, Chris is a CPA um, who specializes in working with, um, so I have to say this very carefully, creative entrepreneurs who need accounting. Because if I, every time I say creative accounting, I feel very sketchy, so I need to say that carefully. <laughs> um, but um, I met Chris at a conference for the first time some years ago. He's just a fabulously nice guy. I have called him with accounting questions and um, he didn't hang up on me, which is probably the best uh, endorsement I could give him. But I did want to ask him to come tonight and answer accounting questions for us. So, um, all right. And I'm sorry, I'm just catching up on uh, catching up on the chat. Yeah. Okay. We're good. Okay. I want to make sure I didn't, didn't miss anybody. So, I do want to just preface our, our accounting discussion with, um, I know we have, we usually have several authors from uh, Oceana. I know we've been seeing um, some replays in Europe. We have uh, people here from many different states, even in the U.S. So, this is definitely not Chris giving you legal advice for your particular personal situation. <laughs> so, with that clear, all that, um, he, he does have fantastic information and you probably can contact him privately for much more specific information but that is not what we are doing here today um this is chris chatting with me about generalities and then telling you where you can find very specific information so all right um with all that um let's just let's just start with saying why why do i need to do my accounting why can't i wing this i'm a writer i like words Numbers used to beat me up on the playground behind the school. Like that is not what I do. You know what? What? And I know, like, honestly, that's that's the attitude of a lot of writers, which I'm sure you have encountered um, when we call you in tears or, or whatever. Um, so, so coach me through first why this is important and why I shouldn't just pretend that it doesn't exist until they come for me. I mean, I guess that's a Let good me reason start too. By saying I'm. Let me start by saying I'm sorry that numbers beat you up on the playground. That's a really sad thing. That that really makes me, you know, shed a tear. That's a real tear there, I promise. Um, beyond beyond that, beyond the, the terrible joke, I'm a CPA. I'm required to have a few terrible jokes. Um, you know what? You're a CPA. We give you all the latitude for the jokes, right? Because we know those don't come naturally. So we'll we'll work with you. We'll coach you along. Yeah. yeah. I have been accused of being one of the only accountants with a personality. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> I guess I'll let you guys be the judge of that. Um, so that, I mean, sort of the bottom line reason why you need to worry about showing your accounting, specifically on the revenue side, 
is because the the IRS is very interested in making sure that any revenue that comes in that they get their their, their piece of that. Um, the good news with for a lot of authors is that especially when you're in the beginning stages of writing, if you just have if you know if you're you're younger and you're in your craft, then it's not going to be that difficult for you to actually record a loss, meaning that you spent more than you earned. I know that's usually how it feels for me anyway. I feel like I usually spend a lot more than I earn on my writing enterprises. Um, but the reason that you need to the reason that you need to worry about it is because the IRS says so. It's kind of that straightforward. Freaking IRS. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and I was told by another CPA who also made terrible jokes, so I know he was the real thing, um, that because, you know, there are certain, I guess, um, categories, uh, you know, that will be more likely to trigger um, an audit or, you know, a, a, the, the heavy IRS side eye or something. And one of those being the entertainment industry, which um, they're used to a lot of, you know, dubious write-offs from, you know. And so even though I am not an A-list Hollywood actor or a, uh, you know, a rock star or, you know, that's outside of my own mind, that because I fall into the entertainment category, I'm still more likely to trigger something just because of the category that I'm filing in. Uh, Have you found that to be true or is that just internet rumors or or what is i i saw this person in real life he was an actual human but you know still no there's definitely some truth to that it has to do with the uh the category of business that that authors should be filing under um that it's the same category unfortunately as as your other cpa friend mentioned that that anyone who's in the entertainment industry is going to is going to use so so there is you know, th- there is some additional risk for for authors to potentially go under an audit. But the good news is this. I, I like to say it like this. The, you know, an, an audit is not a bad word. It's not the A word. You know, and, and, and all, it, all it really is is it's a request for additional information. As long as you have all of your documentation ducks in a row, you're going to be fine. I, I have, you know, I, I, was a, I was the accountant for a a mid-tier publishing publishing house that had a terrible set of circumstances and ended up recording like a three-quarter of a million dollar loss. So obviously IRS is like, hmm, tell me about that. Yeah. Because that's a lot of money. And, and you know, I was able to walk through the audit with, with, with the IRS auditor and with my clients and there was, there was literally no impact to anyone's taxes as a result of the audit. So the big thing that I want to sort of point out to everyone watching or listening later is that the audit is a request for more information. It's only if there's a finding that, that there's going to be any change to your taxes. And even so, so let me walk through what a finding might look like. They might decide that $500 that you spend is not considered a, ta- a, a taxable deduction. So, so that would mean that your taxable income would increase by $500. You would only have to pay whatever your tax rate is in additional tax. We'll say 25%. Some, most people are somewhere around 25%. So what that means is that you would have a tax, a, an audit finding of $125, which isn't the end of the world. So, so there, there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety around audits that really is, 
uh, unfounded, you know, fear that, oh, they're going to take my house and take my children. Depending on your kids, maybe you'd like that. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. That's bad joke number two or four, depending on how you're counting. We got time to go. Like, yeah, there's no quota here. So take it. Go for okay. it. Um, so I just want to respond, like when, when you say, and I completely get this from your professional perspective and you're like, oh, audit's not a bad word. Audit's not scary. And then over here, we're like, audit is like heart attack material, right? <laughs> because there's, there's, there's two reasons that I, that immediately come to mind for me for that. And I'm just going to play like writer's advocate over here. So, um, we're the, we're the, yeah, we're, we're the people over here. Like a couple of weeks ago we had our, or last, I don't know, I've lost two weeks ago. Yeah. We had our, you know, introduction to spreadsheets. The spreadsheet is not bigger and meaner than you. You can, you can withstand the spread, you know, kind of thing. But, um, but you know, I had, uh, a relative who, um, was audited in their, you know, full-time, you know, business that they owned, which is, uh, you know, fine. And so the, they came in and they sat down and just, you know, well, hey, how you doing? Yeah, they'll have a seat. Great. You know, so, you know, you do X for a living. Yeah. Do you like what you do? Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Okay. That's a hobby, not a business. So we're going to do everything at a different rate. And I'm like, that was their full time job, but that was like that setup question. And um, so, yeah, like I just come at this going, worst case scenario. I'm a writer. I can do a lot of worst case scenarios. They can get very bad. So, but what you said then about it's not a problem if you have all of your ducks in a row, like, okay, I'm going to pull out my spreadsheets. I have all my very orderly ducklings, like here are my mallards, here are my, you know, I'm kind of everything. And so, um, so what I, what I'm hearing is that we can, if we can, we can put off that panic if we you know, have it on back burner just in case, but if we if we're if we're all set up like you're going to talk us through tonight then um then it's not as terrifying i like how you said it's just a request for more information that that actually does yeah. help <laughs> so yeah because really if you so so what produces an audit is there are a bunch of people that that are so nerdy that it, they make me look cool who <laughs> run these programs based off of all of the tax returns that come in and, and it's sort of like putting tick marks next to tax returns based off certain characteristics. And if the, and if there's either enough tick marks or a particular tick mark is put in, that, then that tax return is picked up and is put into, we need to audit this, we need to find out more information. That's really all that it is. It's not an accusation. It's not an assumption of guilt. You know, sort, sort of like in the law field, guilt, uh, innocent until proven guilty. I almost said guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> it might feel more like what it is, but that's not what it is. <laughs> so if I've got my, all right, so I, I haven't had my audit. I'm, I'm, pre, I'm pre-organizing so that I can, by Murphy's Law, not ever get audited because I'm so ready for it. Um, and I am organizing all of my ducks. How many ducks should I be tracking? <laughs> Let me translate that question. You know, what are what are the kinds of things that we should be? I mean, obviously, if I spend money on a book cover, that's an expense. You know, um, you know, if I but can you know if I'm traveling to a writers' conference, how much of that is an expense? And I'm not looking here um, for like give me a complete list of deductions because obviously that's going to be first of all fairly individual, and secondly, it's going to vary by where, you know listener geography and and local law and all that. But I mean, just right. when I think uh, 
it's sometimes it's hard for people who don't think in this dimension to actually look at what are the things that I should be tracking as far as income and outgo and what is an expense and that sort of thing. Can you give us some guidelines, you know, that we could go with? Yeah. So, so at least in in the, in the United States, IRS sort of top level guideline is it has to be something that's reasonable and necessary to run the business. And they leave it that way because what's reasonable and necessary in one business is not reasonable and necessary in another. Let me give you my favorite example. If you're one of those people, if your business is you own gumball machines, then spending $10,000 in a year on gumballs, 100% makes sense. It's really hard to have a gumball machine business without gumballs. If you're a writer and you spend $10,000 on gumballs, number one, you probably have an issue. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you, number two, you're a little weird. Number three, it's not going to be a business deduction because it's neither reasonable nor necessary. So, so that's where I want to start is, is with that concept. You, you really want to ask yourself the question, you know, in, in order to, to run this business of, of being, uh, being an author, is this reasonable and is it necessary? So, so that includes... You know, in, any sort of web hosting expenses, any conferences that you go to, the travel to those conferences, the mileage is deductible. You know, wherever, you know, when you're staying at a hotel for a conference, obviously in a post a post or pre-pandemic world, because we don't have conferences right now in 2020. We right. have stuff online. Um, all of that stuff is considered deductible. I had a, I have a, I have a client who wrote, wrote who did a retelling of a, of, of Russian folklore, essentially, for in, in, a, in a fantastical sort of way. And she needed to travel to Russia because Wikipedia can only get you so far. And she had about $10,000 in write-offs that, that were completely legitimate because it was book research. So research trips, as long as you're careful about them, really really can be, a, can, can be reasonable and necessary. Let me talk about, in the context of a research trip, what makes it necessary. The reasonable part is easy. You can't, like I said, you can't Wikipedia everything. Um, so necessary, it has to be, you have to be able to say, going to XYZ is directly related to the book that I'm writing and intend to publish or have published because, and finish that sentence. If you can't finish that sentence in any reasonable way, then it's not necessary. And it's just a, it's a non-business expense. That's a really so, good so, formula to have, I guess. So, yeah. 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 So my client had a mixture of things that were that, that, that were business deductions and were not business deductions on this trip to Russia. The good news is that all of the flights and all of the hotel stays and, and, all, and most, of, most of the taxis and, and the Ubers and such were all, those were all deductible. And that was the majority of her expense. So that's... Because you can't very well get to Russia without getting to Russia. So that's really interesting um, for me as a person who likes to write, you know, all over and I, I pull from so many things, but I I, um, I was in Denmark researching for the Songweaver's Vow, which is a Viking era uh, historical fantasy. And the way I chose to do it, because I was just so cautious and I didn't want to overplay, um, was I didn't write off the flights, but I wrote off, you know, like museum entries and, um, well, it's Denmark, you know, most of the museums are state funded, but <laughs> all, all of the thing, all of the places I went and the, uh, the things I paid for access and, and all of that, those are the things that I wrote off, but I didn't write off the flights because I didn't know how plausible that would be. So, 
as I'm glad to hear that, you know, in the future, when we travel again in 2052, um, I will be able to, um, that's something that I could plausibly, you know, conceivably um, make an argument for because, yeah, I absolutely um, influenced how things went down in that novel. Um, you know, out the settings uh, over so many of the things I took straight from reenactments that I was there for. So, um, yeah. it would have been a completely different book without being there. So, okay. That's good to know. I'm going to put that on my someday I will travel again list. And um, so, so let me ask, and if this, and if this is getting into too much, um, you know, your situation is individual, you know, like, then just let me know, because I've got plenty of other things we can talk about. But something like, uh, I'm just going to say Venice because there's lots of great things that could be set in Venice. Um, so I want to go to Venice and I want to do some research and it's going to cost me, let's use your, your client's figure of $10,000 to do all of this. Do I need to be able to say, and I can reasonably predict making $10,000 off this book in a year in order to be able to deduct that? Or is it are are they more open to a long range? I am putting this book in my catalog and I am building enough catalog that long tail it's going to pay for uh, kind of thing. Because I'm I'm guessing that if I put in $10,000 worth of business deductions for a book that nets me $100 and change, it's not going to be as easy to support that as a legitimate business. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's, I would be suspicious. I'm really glad you're you're framing the question that way. Um, So the... You know the 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 broader question that that you're sort of speaking to is that it is you know when when does uh when does writing become a business rather than a hobby how long is the view um, here <laughs> yeah 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 and and there isn't a there, there isn't a straightforward answer to to that it's very it's largely dependent uh if you're lucky enough lucky enough to be audited and and then and then who the, the the specific view of that particular auditor because i've i've seen i i've seen clients go through audits where they are recording you know six to ten thousand dollars of loss every year for six years because they're just struggling to find their their niche they're just not they're they're trying it's just not going that well and, and there's been no problems with that. And I've I've also had people go through audits where 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 a completely reasonable business expense was where what was questioned, and, and and then and then they quickly moved to well I'm not sure that any of this is really a business. I think you just have a hobby, so justify your business. And it and it was almost as quick as what you were saying, where where your friend had said yes I enjoy what I'm doing is it my full time job oh then it's a hobby. It was almost that quick. So, so there's a bit of dependency upon you know, who who the auditor is and what the specifics are of those expenses. But generally speaking, I don't think you know there there isn't there isn't a need to tie expenses to future revenues directly. Here's a factoid for you to sort of prove that point: that businesses lose money all the time. Amazon didn't post a profit until 2009 in a single quarter. And when they did, Jeff Bezos apologized for it. So I'm pretty sure that they that they were a company before 2009. I'm sure we were all addicted to their services before 2009. <laughs> yeah, so I'm absolutely aware of a lot of those, you know, corporate um, tax 
you know, because they can take that and reinvest in their business and do all of the things. And, um, you know, my sister also works in entertainment. She's a, um, she's an actress and there's so many of the things that, um, you know, a, a Hollywood, a Hollywood film company will never make a profit on a film ever, ever. So you're never going to get royalties because they are never going to make a profit, you know, kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, that, that I'm, I'm glad you pulled that out. I just, I always look at that as that's something that somebody else can do. It's <laughs> you know? so like I'm just. Well, and but, this is part of the mindset switch of be of, of learning like that. So the biggest challenge I have in working with authors is to think of all of their creative enterprises as a business. So think of it more like Amazon and less and less of like a hobby. E- even even though you're you're treating it as a business for tax purposes, a lot of times people don't they don't really they're not mentally thinking of it as a business. So. They, they draw a distinction between well that Amazon is so true that our GE can do that but I can't because I'm just a little tiny business and the bi- most important word in that whole sentence is business you no that is so true because um, I mean I think culturally we draw such a distinction between the arts and real jobs right so like there's that mental hurdle there in the first place but yeah I'm, as a person who owns basically two small businesses you know i have my 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 training and education and behavior business and then i have my you know writing business and you know but one's an s-corp and one's a sole proprietor so they're totally different and i and i it is a mental hurdle for me to say this is a business expense too right so um so thank you for bringing that up i'm going to Next time I hesitate, I'm going to be like, no, no, Chris told me I'm a business. So, yeah, great. Um, guys, I forgot to mention, but if you have questions um, for for uh, Chris, please put them in the chat. Um, you know, otherwise, like, we'll keep going and that's fine. Um, but absolutely uh, feel free to bring questions if you have them. So, um, so I'm, I'm collecting my things. I'm, I'm getting my business expenses. I'm starting to think of everything as business expenses. Um, and I just mentioned, you know, S Corp and sole proprietor. And then there's like an LLC out there too. How much of this as a typical writer um, who's not named Stephen King do I need to be aware of? And how much worry do I need to do into like, do I need to pursue one of these? You know, how, do, at what point do I need to pursue one of these? Uh, that sort of thing. First of all, what the heck is an S corp and an LLC and you know all yeah all of these things? Well, let's start with basic definitions. S corp is short for small corporation, and LLC is limited liability company. That's what those stand for. They're they are state level designations for types of businesses that have certain tax ramifications. Um, your so an LLC is what's called a disregarded entity by the IRS, which means that there aren't tax codes specifically for LLCs. Um, an LLC can be taxed however you want it to be taxed, which is both helpful and, my, and mildly confusing, to be honest. So it can be ta- if you have more than one person involved, it can be taxed as a partnership. It can be taxed as an S corp. It can be taxed as a regular corporation or it can be treated as a sole proprietorship. Oh, I forgot to define sole proprietorship. If you don't have anything else, if you don't have a specific form of of company that you've intentionally created, then by default, you have a sole proprietorship. It just means there's one owner and you're the proprietor, you're the owner of that business and it's yours. Um, And the way I think of this, and tell me if I'm 
doing it wrong or telling people wrong. Um, you know, an S corp or an LLC that the business does its own taxes and a sole proprietorship, the business taxes and my taxes are the same taxes. Is that a good way to break that down or is that leading people that's wrong? True. That's definitely true for an S corp. An LLC, okay. a lot of times, if it's a, if it's a single member LLC, then it's still going to flow through under under a person's personal taxes. Okay. Um, so it's not that's not always true. Certainly for an S corp, it's true. Um, so let's talk about when it why it might make sense to incorporate, and why it might make sense to incorporate as an S corp. Um, because generally, in terms of level of complexity. You have sole proprietorship at the bottom is the most simple form of organization. Then you have LLC, then you have S Corp, then you have a regular corporation. None of you are ever gonna be at a regular corporation level. That's like the John Grishams and the Stephen Kings of the world. Come and, and see me in three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that question right. further down, yeah. By the way, Amy, uh, in the chat, I see your question. Um, let's wrap this up and then I'll bring that up to Chris. So, gotcha. Okay, sorry, go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. Am I too dark? Do I need to turn on a light? Is it am I I, getting a little dark? I'm looking at it as we're talking about math, so dark is appropriate. But if you would like okay. to, if you have a light handy, uh, I would. we would appreciate that. So, The only bummer is it's going to be behind me, which is going to have a bit of a glare. Uh, well, if it's going to be behind you, it might put you in silhouette and it would feel like an actual audit going on, like just the dark okay. face. You know, like, so. I'm sorry, I don't have anything else. <laughs> no, we're fine. We're good. Okay. Okay, this will get rendered as a podcast really, really in the future really anyway. So, yeah, yeah, we'll just we'll tell everybody that you were sitting here looking very ominous or possibly <laughs> if you slouch just a little, we'll get a halo and then you can be like the the, the hero accountant coming to save us. So, yeah. All yeah, right. That's so too loud. that's awkward. <laughs> so, um, OK, so actually, let so me just jump in with LLCs and S- we were. Ahead, yes. No, go ahead. You were going to jump in with a question, I think. Okay. Right, but if you were going, if you were going to finish with LLCs, let's let's by all means knock LLCs out. Okay. Okay. So, it, the, the the primary benefit of setting up an LLC comes back to that question of, uh, it, are you, it, is your writing business actually a business? One of the things that the IRS looks at to see if you're a business is and is an answer to the question: Is this organization acting like a business or not? And forming an LLC is one of several things you can do. That that is sort of a check mark in the yes, it's acting like a business side of things. Other things that are in that category would include having a separate business account, having a separate business credit card, um, not mixing business and personal expenses, uh, things like that. That's okay. the primary benefit of having an LLC. To be honest with you, there isn't because you're probably gonna have a single member LLC and it's still gonna flow through on your personal taxes. That ends up being the, the primary benefit. So if you, in the case that you are audited, it, it would be beneficial to potentially have an LLC. Now I wanna sort of back up a little bit and say in some states that the, the fees are so onerous for having an LLC that if you're just in the beginning stages of, of your authorial enterprises, you might not want to do it. As an example, one of the most onerous states is California. Simply for having an LLC, you pay a minimum annual fee of $800. Oh my gosh. If that feels like a lot of money to you, then don't do it. It still feels like a lot of money to me and I have a re- I have a decent sized, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay for myself and that still feels like a lot of money just as an existence fee. 
If I right. was based in California, which I'm not, I probably wouldn't have an LLC unless I had to. Yeah. Okay. So that so- answers the LLC question. And then the S-Corp. So what changes when you when you form an S-Corp is you have the ability to wear two hats. You can wear the hat, a hat as an owner and you can wear a hat as an employee. And there's certain tax benefits to that. It allows you to both pay yourself a regular payroll and take out owner draws. Well, once you break about, I'd say about $75,000 to $100,000 in profit, you can start to see some tax benefits to playing with those two hats. Prior to that, it's probably not beneficial to do so. And even that is very specific to your, your circumstances. One thing I want to point out to sort of clarify what I said is $75,000 to $100,000 in profit. That's not money in the door. That's money left after all your expenses. Uh, other, otherwise, so, so just make sure that you understand that, that term appropriately. And that's what I wanted to say on those business formation topics. Okay. So it's probably safe to say that most of us as, you know, not named Stephen King or J.K. Rowling or John Grisham authors, um, you know, sole proprietorship is going to be sufficient for where most of us are. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's usually where I land with most people that I'm talking to. Okay. Well, we have a question, Kevin, a couple of questions in the chat. Um, Amy is asking, how long as a business do we need to keep our records? She knows what it is for personal taxes, but what's the guideline for business records? It's the same guideline. So an audit can go back three years. And in case and in case of what they term egregious fraud, it can go back seven years. So just to be safe, not that any of you are going to be committing egregious fraud, but the IRS might decide that they think you are. Uh, keep everything for seven years. Okay, good to know. And then um, a sole proprietorship question. If you run multiple small businesses that are sole proprietorships, are those completely separate for taxes because they're different income streams or combined because you're the only person getting income, spending, et cetera, just in two different fields with two different uh, DBAs doing business as, as names? So I'm it, translating. It, it depends. It depends on whether they they are related or not. Um, I, I I like to think of it like this: if you if you could see the two the two businesses on a sign together for a for a storefront business and it makes sense, then go for it. Like pizza and wings, absolutely, those can go together. Pizza and dry cleaning, probably not. Um, so so along those those same lines, if you're doing writing writing and editing. Then, then the, those can stay together because they're they're both going to fall under that same category of, of independent uh, author, artist, entertainer. But if you have two completely separate businesses that are in completely different categories, then then they would be recorded. They would be reported separately. Okay, that's a good guideline. I like the pizza and wings. Like I can I can do that. This is this is a this is a distinction I feel comfortable making. So <laughs> good good. Amy says thank you for answering her question. Great. Okay. So, um, so now that we've just like talked about, you know, a bunch of scary acronyms and, you know, seven year audits and like all the terrifying things, um, let's smooth, (laughs) smooth out again. Um, and, oh, 
Uh, actually, I'm going to interrupt myself because Natalie's following up on her question. And so let's go ahead and get into the, this, mostly because I'm going to be very selfish because it kind of applies to me too. Um, <laughs> but she says her two businesses are dog training and fantasy novels and training manuals, which is the muddy part because, and I'm in the same boat where I have several behavior books that sell really well in there. So it's like not my fantasy, but it's not also not training, it's books. So, so what do we do with that? I'd probably, so I'd, I'd, move, I'd keep the books, the dog training or the training books in the, on the author's side, not on the dog training side, because the dog training side is a, it is a uh, different type of service that you're providing. Whereas the book is a product. So, so you can make the distinction at that level as well. That's a, that's a really nice, easy distinction, products versus services. I like that. So yeah. also it's what I'm doing. So I'm glad that you said that. So good. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Yeah. For me, it was just way simpler to keep all the books under one rather than trying to break out royalties monthly or, or anything like that. It's because uh, oh, my behavior... Yeah, my behavior business is the S Corp, so I that would be a completely that's more math than I signed up to do, right? So, um, uh, yeah, so, so something I didn't tell you, but as long as we're on the um, stupid joke, you know, platform for tonight, um, I was very, very tempted to name this thing. I still have a hard time tell, calling it a show, but um, whatever this thing is that I'm doing here on a weekly basis. Um, I knew, I knew I wanted it to be about, you know, business skills for authors because most authors get into it, get into this because we like story, not because we like business stuff. And so I wanted to call it, nobody started writing because they liked accounting, but that didn't go well in the focus group. So, but that's, that's honestly how I feel. Like every time I sit down to do a business, you know, a skill thing is, you know, nobody, nobody got into writing fantasy because we love doing accounting, right? This is, this is, Yeah. But but we need it in order to be able to continue writing fantasy and having dinner, like, you know, important things. So, all right. So, so we've done like all this terrifying stuff about seven-year audits and, and all the acronyms and, you know, e- everything we just threw out there about, you know, why we need to have all those decks organized. But one of the things that I try to do a lot here is... Um, we don't hand you a complete list of things and you need to have them done tomorrow. <laughs> like, no, let's, let's, this is going to be a, you do five minutes on this today and you can do five minutes on it next week. And eventually, you know, in a few months you have a, so where, where, where do we start? What's the minimum? I'm, I am uh, a relatively novice author. I might have, you know, stuff in the, in process, or I've gotten a few things published and I'm, I realize that darn it, there's going to be math involved now and accounting and I downloaded my spreadsheets and what do I need to get started with? What are the absolute minimum that I should start doing that I can then build on? So, so a spreadsheet is a really great place to start. Um, you know, if you, don't I didn't pay business- him to say that guys, I didn't pay him to say that. <laughs> if you don't have a business bank account yet, which it might not make sense to have, if you're spending a lot more than you're earning, then it's, then there isn't really a great accounting solution, account or bookkeeping solution out there for you. There are some some options if you do have, even some free options if you do have a business bank account, but all the ones that allow you to sort of split between business and personal, that the reporting for them is really suspect and I can't in good faith recommend them. 
So I, I encourage people just to just to do two things: keep a keep a spreadsheet in Google Sheets or Microsoft Excel, whichever you prefer. That where where you're you're you know two two worksheets, one that's that's uh, revenue or income, and one that is expenses. And you know the the, the columns are going to be dates, description, amounts, category. Um, so that's the first thing that you're going to want to have. And then the second thing you're going to want to have is for all of your expenses, keep uh, keep a copy of of your receipts. Um, the thing that's nice is the IRS about 10 years ago decided to join the digital revolution, and they now accept uh, digital copies in lieu of actual receipts. Um, I use an app called Cam Scanner that allows yeah, you to take that. a photo. Yeah. It allows you to take a photo, turn it into a PDF, and throw it onto your Google Drive all in about seven seconds. Um, so I, that's the other thing that I recommend is assuming you have a smartphone, use Cam Scanner and start taking photos of all of your receipts that aren't in email. And all the ones that are in email, just put them in a, in a folder called Tax Receipts with the year. Tax Receipts 2020. Tax Receipts 2021. Um, and the thing that's nice about having the folder and about having and, and, and about having using cam scanner is it allows you to, to sort of batch your work. So you don't need to feel like every time that you have a business expense, you need to automatically go in and put it into your spreadsheet. Some people prefer to do things that way. Some people prefer not to do things that way. This allows you to do either or because you're going to have everything in one place. Maybe you're not a digital person like I am then I guess you could keep an actual folder. I just, that doesn't make sense to me personally. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a, I try to digitize everything I can because it's much more difficult to lose it that way. Yeah, you, you've got the, the classic shoebox full of receipts, but then the shoebox gets full and the lid doesn't fit on it and stuff starts going everywhere and I, I lose it and it's, I'm a big cam scanner fan too. So, okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah, good. Okay. And so, um, yeah, so we've got comments in the chat. Um, you, uh, Amy also organizes digitally way better than on paper. I know, right? Like guys, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to have to do a whole, I'm going to have to do a whole episode just on Evernote because Evernote does run my life at this point. And yeah, just all the things. Okay. So we've just done the bare minimum. Um, so now let's talk about the absolute dream. This is where on Tuesday, Netflix calls me and they're doing a series adaptation of the song Weaver's Vow. And on Wednesday, Amazon Prime calls me and they're doing a series adaptation of the Shard of Elan series. And on Thursday, I realized that maybe I'm going to need some accounting adjustments. I don't know. Maybe not. So <laughs> when do I know if I need to upgrade, this can be interpreted as when do I need to call Chris? <laughs> when do I need a professional? When do I know I need to be doing something differently than what I have been doing? Um, you know, let, let's be honest, it's going to take me a while on Thursday to come to that conclusion because I'm going to be so hung over on dark chocolate. It's not funny, but tell, you know, what would be the, <laughs> what, what would be the process there when I'm like, huh, I need to change what I'm doing. What's that? What's that dotted line? Well, let's start with the, let's start with answering the question: When would it make sense to to hire someone like me or me? And then we can talk about processes after that. Um, there, there are sort of there are three situations that I tell people it would make sense to consider hiring a CPA. Um, one of them is uh, 
if you're making more than it's a very objective if your profit is more than around forty thousand dollars a year as an author then you really should have someone else looking at your looking at the books and making sure that you're not missing deductions because the tax hit is going to be pretty significant the tax hit can be upward of 40 percent and you want to pay 40 percent of as little as possible um, so that's the objective guideline that I give. And then there's a couple of subjective ones that could bring that 40,000 down a lot lower. Um, the first one is time management. If you're literally not able to get to the, the, the writing projects that you need to get to in your life because you're having to manage your bookkeeping, then it's probably time to hire someone to do the bookkeeping for you. You can find a bookkeeper that can do stuff for you for like 20 to $30 an hour. An average author is going to take maybe two hours of time a month. So, so that's a fairly small investment. And then the, the, the second category of subjective is, so we all have that one thing that we hate with the passion and fury of a thousand sons. If, if taxes is that thing for you, that, then it's probably going to make sense to just get that off of your emotional radar as quickly as possible. You know, I, I, I work I, I work with and, and, you know, to toot my own horn just a little bit here, I, I work with everyone from the folks who do have the Netflix adaptations to folks who just published their first book. And I'm, and I'm familiar with and comfortable with uh, navigating both sort of extremes there. Um, and you're not going to find that necessarily if you go to like an H&R Block or, or a Hewlett, right. a Hewlett Jackson. They're not going to be familiar with how to manage an author's world, which I am because I am an author and because I about 75 percent of my clients are authors. To answer the question, how do you know if your system needs to be fixed? The short answer is if it frustrates you or you stress out every time you think about it, it's time to change your process. You know, at, at some point you're going to have you're going to have enough expenses or you're going to have, be bringing in enough revenue where opening a business account is going to make sense for you. And once you do that, then there, there are different recommendations I can make for you beyond the spreadsheets. If you like the price point of free, then waveapps.com is a wonderful bookkeeping software. They have terrible customer service and support, but their, system, their program usually works, so it's usually not a problem. Um, <laughs> And, and I, I like their price point. Free is a nice price point. And then, of course, there's QuickBooks. And an alternative to QuickBooks is Xero, X-E-R-O. It's an Australian counterpart that is, uh, or an Australian competitor that is a little, a little more user-friendly, in my opinion, and a little less expensive and a little more consistent with their pricing. So those are the three recommendations I would give if, if you're at the point where you have that business bank account and you want to see the transactions flow in automatically through a connection with your bank and you just want to be responsible for coding what category those transactions fall into i hope i answered that question okay yeah yeah that's good and um i i, I think you have a really good point about you know subjective is also like is also a, <laughs> a legitimate reason like you know if definitely if i am if this frustrates me so much that it's not getting done then for crying out loud, pay somebody to do it so it gets done. Like that's that's fair, and yeah. um, I'll just throw in on on your objective point as well. I had such massive guilt um, 
hiring somebody to do some work that I was completely capable of doing, but I also wanted to get my book written. And, you know, I, there's at some point I'm going to need to sleep. Right. And, um, and I was finally, what broke me down was like, okay, I can make X per hour doing this. This person costs me Y per hour. X is more than Y. Therefore, you know, hire them and get the stuff done. But, um, but that's not the, that's not how we're frequently conditioned to look at things. So, so having permission to, to quantify it in that way, um, is really good because I think we we don't necessarily come in with that with that viewpoint. So um, so that's good to hear. <laughs> so um, and and yeah, I'll just throw in um, my opinion that absolutely nobody asked for. I, as somebody who has used both QuickBooks and Zero, I'm back on Excel because I found it much less frustrating. So there are many correct answers to doing this, guys. Like we usually, you know, there's there's lots of ways. If it's getting done, it's getting done. Right there, we go. So, okay. Um, And then, really important question. This is big. I have a lot of personal investment in this one. Can I take dark chocolate as a business expense? Milk chocolate, yes. Dark chocolate, no. Oh, no. It's written in the IRS code. But it's so much more concentrated. Like, I get so much more, you know, value for the same, you know, so, okay. And and I I can track it so that... Also, no to coffee, unfortunately. Oh, oh. Those monsters. <laughs> okay. Bad times. Um, all right. So I do want to mention um, Chris on his website has a, uh, you can sign up for free monthly tax tips specifically for authors. Um, he's not going to spam you. It comes out once a month, but it's good information. And you can get a free ebook from him as well. And is there anything else that you would like to plug that uh, oh and I, I actually want to mention he has a free consult which I took advantage of and it was so helpful and so good I tried to pay him anyway and he wouldn't let me because he's a nice guy <laughs> so definitely I'm going to say you guys if you have questions check out his information check out his books um, you know find it find the stuff on his website and um, is there anything else you would like to plug Chris because this is your moment the only other thing I'd like to plug is I do have a if you're interested in taking an even an even deeper dive into taxes for authors, I do have a, a, a about a three hour course that walks through. We covered about fifteen percent of what's covered in the course. Okay, you can so find that at at learn.chrismorriscpa.com. That's it, because I thought I remembered seeing a course, and I went and I looked for it, and I didn't. I must have missed the link off of your main site or something. So um, good. So I'm just going to repeat learn.chrismorriscpa.com is where you can get a free course for authors all over this stuff. I'm sorry? Not free. Not free. I lied. I completely lied. Uh, We'll just scrub that from the record. It never happened. (laughs) Um, It is a three-hour course that is completely worth it because, okay, guys, I'm going to tell you a true story, and this is, I really hope this doesn't come to back to bite me as I send this out into the internet where it could go anywhere, but um, I contacted Chris and said, hey, Chris, help. There's a warrant out for my arrest, which, first of all, was not my fault. Like, 100% was a state paperwork error, not anything to do with me. Secondly, I cannot tell you how insulting it is that my only warrant for my arrest has to do with $20 of missing sales tax and not for anything more interesting. So, so angry. Anyway, um, <laughs> so what I'm, where I'm going with this is, this is definitely the kind of thing where it pays to be proactive um, because 
you know, that moment, everything we said about, you know, audit is the A word and it's horrible, you know, kind of thing. Like opening that letter and being like, hi, we have a warrant out for your arrest because you haven't t- done your taxes properly. First of all, I had done my taxes properly. Secondly, they were hard and it was messed up. And thirdly, I really needed somebody to hold my hand while I was angry. So um, these are the things that um, it's fine. I didn't go to jail. It really was a state paperwork error and it really was not my fault. So I'm just going to put that out there. But this is the kind of thing that, you know, the default position for a lot of us as creative artsy people is, wow, I don't like this. I'm going to pretend it's not affecting my life. But please, you know, take advantage of the resources that Chris has put out there. You know, don't don't put yourself in a situation where things can go wrong. So, yeah, like there's a short story in there somewhere. It was not a short story. It was at least a novella and there was enough angst to turn it into like a soap opera series like it was full of drama and fury yeah so okay <laughs> all right um also amy thank you dark chocolate is healthy and should be a tax break i completely agree like contact your representatives like we need to get this fixed in the tax I code the rules. i would do that <laughs> would. so um so as you guys can see, chrismorriscpa.com. Chris, thank you so much for coming and talking us through these things because this is the stuff that none of us really like to talk about. I'm sorry. I know it's your your thing, but I'm over here like, oh, so many spreadsheets so close up. But um, also, like, we really need that in order to do things like put out more books. So, <laughs> so. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Laura. Yeah. If you guys have questions, um, you know, he does have a contact form on his website. Again, Chris is a very nice guy. And and I want to actually jump back to real quickly when you said you have clients at both ends of the the spectrum. I think there's a very real sense of, you know, I'm not big enough to be able to justify, you know, getting help with this kind of thing. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that, you know, you have first time authors and people like it's a continuum and and you're going to work with people at all ends of the continuum. So I just want to emphasize, you know, he's, he's nice. He's not going to judge you. It's all good. He didn't hang up on me when I called him. We're we're great. So Um, next week, our topic, um, I'm calling it just dance because that's it's my show and I wanted to. Um, but we're going to talk about <laughs> that we have had this intensely business oriented last few weeks. Um, next week, it's all about keeping business out of our creativity and just dance, just do the artsy thing and how to do the business evaluation separately and not let it color your creative work while you're doing your creative work. So, okay, we've got uh, just to let you know, Chris, we've got a number of thank yous coming in on the chat. And, um, you know, I, you know, I'm glad I listened to this on the drive home. <laughs> I was like, hooray, the accounting didn't put you to sleep on the road. Really good to hear. Um, so, <laughs> great. Um, thank you, guys. And again, thank you very much, Chris. Um, go and check his website. And everybody, stay safe and wash your hands. I will see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening. You can find details on the weekly live stream, upcoming guests and topics, subscription and support information, and more at lauravab.com. Your shares, reviews, and support are very much appreciated. Until next time.